everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO 69 a.m. in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominique Demister. Week two is already in the books, folks. We got week three coming up later today, Thursday night football. We have a lot to talk about this week. We got unfortunate injuries to talk about. Talk about. We got upsets. We got overtime games. We got crazy comebacks, Dom. I'm excited to do the show as I am every week. Amazing week two, William. Wow. Holy smokes. The injuries <laughs> were awful. Poor yeah. Nick Chubb. I'm sure we're going to talk about him a little later. Let's get it started. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, him definitely a little bit later on. Let's go. Uh, I always like to start with a little bit of the bad news to get it over the way, but let's jump with some good news here and let's talk about some games and then we'll get into the unfortunate injuries later on. We had a lot of great games on, a lot of great comebacks this week. Uh, one of the games that uh, for me I wanted to uh, to talk about was actually a game that you predicted, Dom, so I got to give you credit. The Atlanta Falcons and the Green Bay Packers here. Uh, Green Bay really controlled this game from start to finish. Jordan Love looked good and, you know, Atlanta didn't look poor in this game, but it just seemed like the type of game where Green Bay was going to go on the road and, you know, like they they were doing their things well. And, they, you know, it, it's not that things weren't working for the Atlanta Falcons. It's just that the Green Bay Packers had control of this game. And I really thought that's how it was going to start. That's how it was going to finish. But no, no, sorry. Desmond Ritter came back and you could really see the emotion and, the, you know, kind of the fire he played with. Because the one question mark about this Falcons team is no doubt Desmond Ritter. And, you know, he showed that he's at least able now uh, to, uh, to kind of... Not necessarily put the team on his back, but come up with an impressive victory. You know when they were losing and when the Packers controlled this game. Uh, Bijan Robinson had the type of game that uh, you know we would all expect from him. And yeah, Green Bay, you know, had this game. And you look at uh, the stats in this one. Uh, Jordan Love, pretty good, fourteen of twenty-five, one hundred and fifty-one passing yards with three TDs. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, nineteen completions, thirty-two yards, only one touchdown, but two hundred and thirty-seven passing yards. And like I talked about, Bijan Robinson, nineteen carries, a buck twenty-four. That's good for six and a half yards per carry and this team went for it late in this game on fourth and one they could have kicked a long field goal they decided not to they got the first down on fourth and one they pitched it to Bijan he picked up a first down a little bit more they chewed more of the clock and young way Koo kicked another field goal and the Atlanta Falcons Dom don't hold your breath folks but the Atlanta Falcons are two and oh and the Green Bay Packers now fall to one and one so great stuff by Atlanta and Dom credit to you because you picked you predicted this upset yeah this is probably only the only pick that I got this week, but boy, <laughs> John Robinson, this guy is going to be a star, clearly a number one back in the making in the NFL. Congratulations, Atlanta. You picked up a beauty. And with the Atlanta Falcons, with Arthur Smith, it's all about the running game. They ran the ball 45 times, William, 45 times. That's a lot, you yep. know, in the new NFL, it's all about the passing game, but Atlanta's doing something special. I'm just not convinced they're going to be able to do this every single week. You know, mm -hmm. we, we sang a bit of the praise about Desmond Ritter, but I I don't know, William. Desmond Ritter does not excite me whatsoever. If it wasn't for this passing or if it wasn't for this running game, Atlanta would be in trouble. They actually squeaked this victory from the back door because this was all Green Bay. Yeah, it was. On. So let's keep an eye on what happens with Desmond Ritter in his development, but he's a red flag for me. But congratulations to the Atlanta Falcons. Well, yeah, for me, it's I, I get what you're saying, and I'm not necessarily sold sold on him just yet. For me, it's more that like this division is so up for grabs that I could see this Falcons team, you know, coming out and and winning it. And I, I didn't think that was possible come preseason. Well, I thought it was unlikely because I thought the Saints were not necessarily going to run away with the division, but I thought they were clearly the the more talented team. And now, obviously, we see that may not be the case with uh, Tampa Bay and, uh, and Baker Mayfield and what he's showing. But yeah, Atlanta, you know, coming away with this is not a typical game that Atlanta usually wins. They usually find a way to lose this game so from my point of view that was uh that was uh, spectacular but yeah we'll see if uh, Desmond Ruder can continue to do this and keep up the trend uh, Dom a lot of other good games let's uh, let's jump to one of them of your choice let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks versus yes. the Detroit Lions William you called a big upset and it occurred Geno Smith I am impressed only because there was a huge void in that offensive line this week you know Two guys that they drafted last year were out. And to me, those are the pillars in Seattle. And somehow, Geno Smith with Pete Carroll found a way to win a game that I honestly thought Detroit was going to take. They win it 37-31. 
in overtime. Gino going 32 for 41, 328 yards, two TDs, and more importantly, zero picks. Yeah. You know, Seattle, this game was huge. This, to me, shows me that you're going to be competitive all year, regardless of who's at offensive line. Geno Smith was able to deliver, and Pete Carroll really has Geno playing at another level. This is not the Geno Smith of old. Of course, last week, I would have, I honestly thought it was different, but yeah. Detroit has a really good pass rush. And for whatever reason, whatever was not working last week for Seattle's offensive line after those injuries, they fixed it quick in Seattle. So big victory for the Seahawks. I think this is going to propel them a bit, at least to the halfway point of the season. Keep an eye on Geno Smith. I think he's actually stepped up a notch and he's going to be competing all year round. I think this is an absolutely great win for the Seattle Seahawks. This was one of the more fun games, if not, you know, the the most fun this weekend. Uh, one of the two games that went to overtime in this one. Uh, Seattle had it. Detroit ended up coming back. And a nice play at the end of the game to see that by Tyler Lockett to, uh, to dive and meet that catch on third and two and extend the football to touch the pile on risky, very risky there. That goes through the end zone. I know the coaches are giving him a uh, heck to say the least, but a great play by, uh, by Lockett, one of his two touchdowns on the day and a great victory for Seattle. I I'm looking at it the other coin, the other side of the coin down. This Detroit Lions, this to me is so Detroit. They go at week one, they beat your defending Super Bowl champs, albeit yes, there was no Kelsey. It was week one. The Chiefs didn't look all that good. Katoni was, you know, had was dropping the ball like it was like he was trying to catch a bar of soap and I get that but you this is a Detroit team that had a chance to go 2-0 and their home opener in front of their fans against a Seattle team that looked poor last week and what do they do they find a way to lose this game look I get that Seattle was better than they played last week and I get that Seattle is a solid team and they may end up making the playoffs and, and people are high on them Um, and you know Detroit was in this game and they came back but if you're the Lions man like this is what frustrates me because this is a game that you have to find a way to win if you want to be competitive in your division and you want to be maybe dark horses to win the Super Bowl you know there's no excuse for losing a game like this at home to a, a team like Seattle when you said they were already had injuries on the on the offensive line position and that's why you know people and, and even myself was a little worried about picking them in the upset here if you're Detroit man you got to find a way to win this game I'm sorry and there's, there's for me there's no other way to put it Dom Detroit lost this game they should have won and, and it's really that simple you know what I'm going to tell you what I think is going on in Detroit. And yeah. it's not the team. It's the coach. I think Dan Campbell is a great motivator. No yeah. doubt about it. This guy gets this team playing. However, is he calling the right plays at the right time? You know, that's, I guess, a building process that he's going to have to develop. And you would think that right now with the team that he has in front of him, he'd be able to do a lot better play calling. I just don't like the play calling in Detroit. It's that simple. And, you know, David Montgomery did go down in this game and yeah. I got Jameer Gibbs in my fantasy, but I did not like Jameer Gibbs on third down. He was unable to pick up, you know, the pass rusher. He's a bit small and that could be concerning for the Lions moving forward because Montgomery is going to be out for a while. And the other huge injury that occurred is CJ Gardner-Johnson also mm. got hurt, and he might be out for the season. So the only way I see Detroit moving forward in a positive direction is going to be obviously on Jared Goff's shoulders, and he's going to have to air it out early and often. And he kind of is doing that right now, but I think this game plan originally was based on the running play and the great offensive line Detroit has. But right now, William, I'm telling you, the Detroit Lions are in trouble. I think it has to do with Dan Campbell not coaching well. And obviously, these injuries are obviously not going to help. Definitely, definitely not going to help them to, to say the least. And look, for me, it's I, I love the storyline, right? I love the 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 rah-rah run. Like, I, I you know, if, if I put myself in player's shoes, I feel like Dan Campbell would be the one coach I'd want to play for. Like, he's fun. He's he's a you know, a player's coach. Uh, he seems very down to earth and, you know, a very genuine guy. And he seems like a super fun guy to play with. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you're not getting wins, it's, you know, it's, it's a what have you done for me lately type of league, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And you know, no matter how much he's loved 
in the community and, you know, in that locker room, he's going to have to find ways to, to get his team, you know, into the playoffs and, and potentially, you know, win, win a game or two. So it's very possible, Don, that is, that's the reason is Dan Campbell, because this roster is good. And Matt, Amon St. Brown, he gets better by the week. It's, it's incredible. He made a catch this week where a defender was literally draped all over him and he just plucked it out of the air. Uh, but yeah, this team is talented and uh, they should definitely be... Um, be better than what than what their record indicates. Let's go to another game that went to overtime. Tennessee Titans, Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are 0-2 after scoring 34 points in the first game, 24 points in their second game. I'm no mathematician, but that's 58 total points in their first two games, almost 60 points. And th this team still finds a way to find themselves at 0-2. This is surprising, right? Like you talk about a, a team that has the potential to win a Super Bowl. It's this Chargers team. And even in this game too, the, the Chargers, they they had, I don't want to say they had them against the ropes, uh, but they were up early in this game. They were up 11-0 uh, and uh, early on in the second quarter. And Keenan Allen looked good. Man, you know, despite the loss, Allen looked like he, uh, he had a good game. They were up 11-0 early on in this one. And you kind of felt that this game may get away from Tennessee. And it, it really didn't. You know, credit Tanhill. Uh, he, uh, you know, he looked common coolness when his completion, completion percentage was through the roof 20 of 24 uh, 246 yards getting sacked five times obviously obviously is not great but still a very very good completion uh, percentage there by Tanhill and the Tennessee Titans find a way to win this game and you know this is a big game early on in the season they didn't want to fall to 0-2 they lost a heartbreaker last week to the New Orleans Saints uh, but it is very heartbreaking for those Chargers that you know their offense looked fairly good in this game obviously there was no Austin Eckler so that's that's a huge loss for the this team but you know i'm gonna ask you a bit later on john the most surprising team that's zero and two and for me it may very well be this los angeles chargers team because you talk about snake bitten dumb and, and this chargers team is snake bitten to say the least yeah the chargers you know they were obviously missing eckler and they were, were missing uh kendricks kendricks is a huge piece in that defense and yeah. tennessee you know what at the end of the day the defense won the game for them because you know the chargers became a bit predictable once you only you only ran with Kelly 13 times, 39 yards, only three yards per carry. That basically didn't scare the Titans at all in the running game. So they started to shore up that secondary. Of course, yeah, Keenan Allen had a nice game, you know, 118 yards and two TDs, and as did Mike Williams. But when the going gets tough, and at the very end, you know, you're you're trying to win every inch. Usually you do it through the running game and you get yourself a nice field goal. Well, in this situation, Tennessee was the one that came on top. And I want to sing the praise of Taji Spears. For all Derrick Henry this, Derrick Henry that, they got something special in Taji Spears. Every time he gets the ball, he is productive. You know, eight carries, 49 yards, averaging 6.1 yards a carry. Tennessee has some depth at the running back position. And the way they play these football games, they're always in it because they got good coaching. Not like the Chargers, you know, he's a horrible coach. And I think that at the end of the day, good old Bradley is going to get probably fired uh, sooner than later. He could potentially be the number one coach fired. What happens if the Chargers go 0-3, William? Do you, do you stick with the same coaching staff? Do you make a change? Because I am honestly scratching my head with the Los Angeles Chargers because right now I do not like what I see at the coaching position in L.A. I mean, the thing is, coming into the season, he's been on very, very thin ice. And you look at their next opponent, they got the Minnesota Vikings, and after that, they have the Raiders and a bye. I think, you know, if they're heading into that bye week at 0-4, at he's gone. And I can see, you know, 0-1-3 Minnesota's decent team if they find a way to lose. But I really think that that Staley can be one of the first coaches, if not the first coach fired, just because he was on the hot seat coming into the season. And now with this lack of production here in this first two weeks, um, I would not be surprised to say the least. Yeah, correction, Brandon Staley, not Bradley. Who's Bradley? Bradley Cooper? Who knows? But yes, <laughs> Bradley Staley is definitely the guy I'm talking about. And hopefully he better get his act together because I've yes. been asking for this guy to be fired a long time ago. You know, no one's listening to me. Obviously, Los Angeles knows what they're doing up there. But this guy's atrocious. Always the bad calls in fourth down calls, always going for fourth down calls. This is an obsession of his about going on fourth downs. Just needs to stop. You need to get... Herbert under control, get the running game under control. And the Los Angeles Chargers will win a lot more games. But we'll see what happens with the Chargers moving forward. If there's a pick that I would have to say that's going to at least make the playoffs would be the Chargers. So prove me wrong. Let's see what happens. Good luck to the Chargers.
you know, incredibly look at like some of the stats of this game, like Ryan Tannehill sacked five times and then still finding, finding a way uh, to, to win this football game. It was, you know, pretty incredible. You look at him and the Chargers got the ball to start overtime and it was incompletion, incompletion, incompletion. And it's like, you know, especially in today's NFL, when you get a chance to put the dagger in the team and you start with the ball, look, it's not the playoff rules yet. If you get a touchdown, you go out there, you ice this game, you say bye-bye other team, I'm packing up and I'm going home with a road victory. And it was three straight incompletions there by, by Justin Herbert. Unfortunately, this offense just wasn't clutch uh, near the end of this game. They did put up what you would expect would be enough points to, to end up winning a football game. Well, 24, you know, that, that could really be 50-50, but it is the Tennessee Titans that come away with their first victory of the season. A uh, big victory nonetheless. And yeah, Tannehill goes home with the victory. All right, like I talked about at the top of the show, unfortunately, we got to talk about injuries and it seems to be a more recurring theme week in and week out. Uh, heart goes out, or my heart goes out to uh, to Nick Chubb after that horrific, horrific knee injury. He's done for the season, and uh, you know could be potentially even done for even longer. I spoke to a coworker today, and he said after that hit, Dom, it's like he's hoping that he sees the football field again, which is almost crazy to think. But if you just look at that hit again, and that he the thing is he tore several ligaments in his knee. It was uh, just an absolutely horrific injury, and it's so so sad that it happened to such a good guy. Of course, you never want it to happen to anybody. But it hurts especially more when it happens to a guy like Nick Chubb, such a, a great, humble guy, you know, a, a leader in that locker room. He never uh, been an attention seeker and, you know, like just a, a great player, too. Uh, just really, really sad. But very, very classy by the Pittsburgh Steelers, the home crowd. They were chanting Chubb after that. They all uh, applauded once uh, once he was uh, up on the um on you know on the stretcher there and then I think that it was very very it was a great moment in sports to see you know fans putting aside their favorite team and just rooting for a player and a person and a human uh, after uh, you know before and uh, before being uh, an actual football football player so I thought that was great and yeah heart goes out to him and I really really hope he has a speedy recovery but it looks like it's gonna be a long while and unfortunately Dom was a very horrific injury to Chubb. Yeah, this is one of those injuries that happens like what once every five years. The yeah. last time I saw something so devastating was with Alex Smith and his injury. So definitely not uh, something you want to see on the football field. Hopefully for Nick Chubb, I think like you said, William, it's going to take probably more than a year for this yeah. injury to heal properly and for him to even get his confidence back. We might not even not even see Nick Chubb ever again. Hopefully we will, but you just don't know with these types of injuries. They're just that devastating. So my heart goes out to him as well, and hopefully that he bounce back. Let's talk about a bit of the game right now. Pittsburgh yeah. takes it 26 to 22. Kenny Pickett having an average day, 15 for 30, 222 yards, one TD. Big play with George Pickens. Obviously, yeah. he was the only guy that had Pretty much a decent game for the Steelers. Four reception, 127 yards, and a TD. I'm a bit worried as a Steelers fan. I kind of see Kenny Pickett kind of regressing a little bit. He seems yeah. like a guy that is very anxious currently in the pocket. So I'm going to chalk it up to him playing two huge defenses in the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. That said, I expect a lot more from Kenny Pickett moving forward. Of yeah. course, the blame could also go to Matt Canada and his play calling. But at the end of the day, I think the quarterback should be the one to control the team and to move the, the yardsticks, right? You can blame Matt Canada for all you want, but you still got to execute. Kenny Pickett is definitely not executing. That said, the Steelers somehow found a way to win this game, definitely through their defense. They played outstanding. The crowd was in it. And, you know, they were playing the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, as much as I knock Deshaun Watson, I don't think he's a good quarterback. But for whatever reason, he actually impressed me in this game. It was just his competitiveness, really, William, that I saw that, okay, Cleveland, you're stuck with this guy for a long time. You're going to have to create some type of identity. And I saw Deshaun Watson really his identity here, which was a guy that's going to fight to the very last second. And he had a bit of a swagger. You know, he was willing to do a lot of face masks. Don't get me wrong. Those are penalties. Yeah. But you know what? I liked it. I liked it because I thought that, you know, he was giving it his all. And for me to see a guy who I don't think has that much talent in Deshaun Watson, but to see that kind of grit could lead mm -hmm. elsewhere. So now the Browns need to go find themselves a running back. 
I'm assuming Kareem Hunt will get a phone call. I'm assuming yeah. Leonard Fournette will get a phone call. But Deshaun Watson, if you didn't have pressure, now you're about to get a boatload. Luckily for Deshaun, he's got a good defense to win a lot of football games for him as well. But this division, man, this was a car wreck of a game. And yeah. the winners were the Pittsburgh Steelers barely taking it 26 to 22. Yeah, what a weird slash fun game. You know, it starts off with the pick six by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, you know, Cleveland comes out and they take the lead. And it looks like Cleveland's going to have it. And then that defensive touchdown there uh, that was, you know, scooped and uh, scored by by TJ Watt. Uh, just incredible. Adds his, you know, resume of defensive plays he's made over the course of his short career already with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense definitely won this game getting two touchdowns, which is, you know, incredible. Even getting one is such a huge bonus, but yet to add on to your point, Kenny Pickett just doesn't look as confident as I expected him to look early on in the season. And, you know, maybe a lot of the pressure was in preseason how good he looked, right? How good this offense looked. And maybe we had unrealistic expectations for this team. Cause look, Kenny Pickett is, is in the second year, and uh, unfortunately, you know, for him, it just looks like he hasn't really developed a great chemistry with his receivers yet. It was very good to see George Pickens get going. I, I love that. And if there was one player I wanted to see get going for this Pittsburgh Steelers team, it was him. You know, and I think the announcers in the game did a very good job. You know, just give him the ball, right? Like, let him have it in space. If he's covered, throw it. Like, he's, he's the type of guy where even if he's covered, he's open. He could go out there. He's tall. He's lanky. He could go out and moss, uh, moss a player. So, you know, give him the opportunity. And he finally got that opportunity, and uh, and Pickens definitely made that made the most of it there. That seventy one yard TD slant that he took to the house was incredible. But yeah, I want to see more quarterbacks. These two specifically be more confident in their game, and I think that. You bring up a good point with Deshaun Watson that his grit was great. His will to win was very good as well. But there's just part of their game that they just seem to be a little bit lost and almost as if the game is a little bit too quick. And I felt that, Don, maybe we could jump to the other Monday night game between the Saints and the Panthers. I felt even in this game, Don, that both uh, quarterbacks, especially Bryce Young, right now, you can just tell the game is too quick for Bryce Young. He looks like he's just like half a second behind, right? He's kind of slow. He's playing at this pace where he's you know, kind of at, you know, uh, you know, he's in neutral and everybody else is in fast forward, right? The game is just a little bit too fast for him and he's throwing the ball half a second too late and he sees someone open, but it's just a second too late. And there was plays yesterday where his receivers were open and he just, A, didn't trust his arm, B, didn't didn't throw it uh, and or didn't see it. And, you know, C, he just preferred to tuck and run. And, you know, for both quarterbacks, I think Carr escapes with the win here because that Saints defense won them this game. You know, Carr did not look good in this game. He had a terrible interception that he threw in triple coverage that he just floated that was really begging to be intercepted uh if you know if i may say so myself good job by the saints defense of you know pulling out and getting the victory and the saints are, are two and oh which is you know pretty spectacular when you look at like how poor this offense has uh you know has been over the course of their two games but nonetheless they get two wins and that defense has looked good but yeah i'd say of all four quarterbacks we saw on monday night football i think the game just seemed to be a tad bit too quick for for each of them and i want to see them have more command of the offense more control and you know speed it up and trust their throws more uh heading into week three i agree with you william i think let's start with carolina bryce yeah. Young. i said it in the off season this yeah. guy should not be playing week one and we're seeing why he shouldn't be out there and some people will say no no he needs to get a couple games under his belt for him to get acclimated to the nfl I don't know, man. This guy's going to start losing his confidence. We're seeing it in front of us. They have a veteran in Andy Dalton. But now if you already pull the plug early like this, it's just it's not good what's going on in Carolina. They have a lot of issues. They have also issues at the offensive line. I don't know what their objective was this year. But right now, starting 0-2, it don't look good. As for the New Orleans Saints, Derek Carr, well... You know, they're 2-0. and oh. I'm shocked that they're actually 2-0. Oh. Yeah, they're doing too. this without Alvin Kamara. So I'm assuming when Alvin Kamara is going to come back, this team should be even better, right? Kamara is a pretty good running back, so he will inject himself in this offense. Chris Olave definitely is playing like he should be. Six receptions, 86 yards. But we need a bit better uh, of a game out of Derek Carr here. And I think that the pressure really is on him without any you know, really good running backs. You know, when you have Taysom Hill, an ex kind of like tight end quarterback leading the uh, the way with nine carries for 75 yards, it just doesn't look right. But that's the New no. Orleans Saints. They've been doing all these weird plays 
the past couple of years. They brought in Derek Carr, hoping that he's going to be the savior. Hey, they're 2-0. and oh. As far as I know, they couldn't care less what we think, as long as they're winning football games. But yeah, they can't sustain this throughout the entire year. Hopefully, Alvin Kamara comes in in a couple of weeks and helps them out. Because yeah, they do have a shot at that division. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it, I don't think that they can consistently win football games like this, right? Their schedule, you know, gets they play the Green Bay Packers next and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that. And Tampa Bay has been a very pleasant surprise. But, yeah, it's just it's not something that you could really see uh, this team, you know, being able to to continue to do. But I'm very impressed with this defense. Uh, and they were they were just everywhere, right? There was no uh, easy throw for, for Bryce Young to make. So, you know, let's give a, a bit of credit to that Saints defense that looked good. I was happy with the connection that Bryce seemed to have with Adam Thielen. I think he's going need to get that going and I think that in order for uh you know for for him to kind of continue um you know going through his progressions and making his mistakes and learning to be a better quarterback he's gonna have to trust on Thielen similarly in my notes I had that if this Cleveland Browns team uh you know wants to be able to to contend for for the division and even you know make a make a playoff run is I think Honestly, Amari Cooper needs 14 to 15 targets a game. You know, we forget how good this guy is. He left the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah, look, they have C.D. Lamb and they have, they have Gallup and they have, you know, a lot of other weapons. But he's just so reliable at the wide receiver position. And he makes these catches. There was a catch he made the other day where he, he, he snatched it up the air and he kept both feet in bounds. And it's like, there's a lot of receivers that are going to make plays like that. But I'm not sure receivers make it as consistently as Amari Cooper does. He doesn't drop the ball. He's sure-handed. He runs good routes. Like, it's it's really hard to find an area to knock his game, right, Dom? And I really think that for Deshaun Watson, you're going to have to target this guy 15, 16 times a game. And who cares if you're, that means you're running the ball less or receivers aren't happy. You're going to have to feed your best player. And now that Nick Chubb is off and unfortunately done for the year, Amari Cooper is the best player on this football team. And he needs to see the ball a lot more than he's been seeing it the first two weeks. Yeah, the AFC North is right now a head scratcher. I don't know exactly what direction any of these franchises are going to go. Right now, you got the Ravens sitting pretty, but Cleveland, yeah. you know, they are a wild card team throughout the entire AFC. And now they lost their best player. It's going to be tough. They need to find somehow, somewhere on free in the free agency market, someone to fill that hole. I don't think they find it. So it's going to be tough for the Browns all year. Let's not hide it. And as for the rest of the teams in the AFC North, it's going to be a dogfight. There might only be one team that survives, which is shocking because I thought there would be yeah. at least two. But as we're sitting right now, I don't know, man. I think there only might be one team coming out of the AFC North. Call me crazy, but we're going to have to see what happens. I think it might be the Ravens, but, you know, it's a long season. So let's see what happens and let's let it play out. Well, speaking of that AFC North, Dominic, uh, that's your division. You're an expert on that one with your Pittsburgh Steelers playing in it. How about that Baltimore Ravens-Bengals game? The Ravens come out 27-24 victorious in this one. I picked Cincinnati. I'm shocked the Bengals are 0-2, but I'm curious to see if you watch this game and what your thoughts were because the Ravens now squeak out, uh, you know, not squeak, they had convincing win last week and squeak out a victory here. Since he kind of pushed to the end of the game, uh, they were down by 10. Burrow gets a late touchdown, but it was too little too late, and the Bengals fall to 0 and two and the Ravens two and oh. Hey, you know, I've been talking about Baltimore for a couple of years now. I yeah. really like this franchise because they're very well coached, as we all know. But I'm seeing another progression with Lamar Jackson. Of course, you could call him maybe the loaf man because he tends to handle the football <laughs> like a loaf of bread. But at the end of the day, he will do what needs to be done to try to win this football game. And he's been surrounded this year by a lot of weapons. You know, he doesn't have himself to count on. He can count on. They even brought in Nelson Aguilar, who comes in this game, five receptions, 63 yards, and one TD. You know, they got a young guy in Zay Flowers. They added Odell Beckham to this football team. They got a healthy Rashad Bateman. You know, the Ravens are actually a pretty darn good football team. They deserve to be 2-0. and But what's more impressive is that Lamar is throwing a lot better. And I think that has to do with the talent around him. But I also think it has to do with a chip on his shoulder that a lot of people didn't respect Lamar. He wasn't going to get paid. He almost found himself out of Baltimore. This guy is playing to win 
big time. I mean, we all play to win, but Lamar has an edge right now. You can see it yeah. on the football field. I honestly think this is the best Lamar Jackson that I've seen, even if the stats don't show it. You know, 24 for 33 for 237 yards and two TDs. He's not throwing for 300 yards, but, you know, he's not throwing a pick in this game. He'll be fumbling the ball, but that's Lamar. He's going to literally come out of the pocket, and he's going to call it how he sees it. He basically is playing backyard football. So <laughs> usually that doesn't end up being successful because you're going to throw a pick because you're too risky and all that. But Lamar is a special player. So you know what? It's kind of like Josh Allen. Sometimes there's certain players, they're more successful when they're creative. As a fan, you're looking at it, and you're like, buddy, don't fumble the ball. But you're going to have to accept it. If you're a Ravens fan, you're going to have to accept that Lamar is going to make some mistakes. But at the end of the day, right now, he's going to do a lot more plays that are really successful than those mistakes. So he's able to hide them and he's because he's got a great D and he's got a great head coach in John Harbaugh. The Ravens are very dangerous right now this year. And I think they might be the best team currently as we speak in the AFC. Wow. All right. Hot stuff there, Don. But look, they are 2-0. and And just to add on to your point, I think that I was very impressed with this uh, touch on to Nelson Aguilar. A nice corner route way to, uh, you know, get up there by Nelson Aguilar. But that was a, a very good, timely throw uh, by uh, by Lamar in this one. I think that, you know, that was, uh, that was you know, just a, a clutch play by him. And you're right. He is definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder. And yeah, the Ravens improved to 2-0. Uh, to For me, I, I'm just absolutely shocked, Dominic. I'll, I'll answer my own question now. The most surprising 0-2 team to me is the Bengals by far like I predicted them to win the Super Bowl and even if I didn't like the way this team has come out and I, and I think it's more the way that they've been 0-2 and the way that they haven't looked good is surprising to me Jamar Chase has 70 total yards in two games that's 35 yards a game this man usually averages more than 70 per game alone and like I don't know what it is but the, let me just tell you the Ravens secondary had a heck of a game against him he had a touchdown in his hands and it was a great play made, made by the Ravens DB that literally stripped the ball out of his hands a great like kind of reminded you of the old Ed Reed Ravens type defense where you you know, nothing is going to be easy against them. I mean, you know, credit there to the, this Ravens defense and the Browns defense of last week. But this Bengals team has looked completely, completely in disarray. And I, I had less than 50 passing yards in the first half to Joe Burrow this week. Like, this is just not something you're used to seeing out of this team. And, you know, for, forget the Super Bowl aspirations. Forget that, you know, Joe Burrow just got paid and they got Jamar Chase and this trio of receivers. Tegans did look good in this game. But I'm almost at a loss of words for how slowly this team has started and look Joe Bro did deal with, deal with an injury and he, he he didn't play in training camp and okay yes that does buy him you know a little bit of leeway but I, I'm just surprised I thought it was going to be that quick connection he has with Jamar Chase and it was second to none he could throw with his eyes closed and he would know where, where Jamar was in the football field but it's almost time to panic if you're Cincinnati. And I'm saying that for several reasons. One of them being because this division is so good and another one being because the AFC is solid. The AFC is better now than really I can remember in forever, maybe better than ever. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily season over for Cincinnati, but my hand is very, very close to pressing that panic button if I'm a Bengals fan. Well, the panic button would be with regards to Joe Burrow's calf injury, right? So we have mm. to see if this is going to be a lingering issue. But all that being said, I am not worried about the Cincinnati Bengals, William, as much as you are. Mm -hmm. I think Cincinnati last year started a little slow as well. This is the type of team that once it starts winning a couple games in a row, they can go on a nice winning streak. And I expect Cincinnati to do that at some point this year. There's just too much talent on this football team. This is literally a Super Bowl roster. What they could probably do a little bit better is run the football. Joe Mixon, you know, 13 carries for 59 yards. That's just not enough, specifically if Joe Burrow is hurt. I think the game plan here was to attack the Ravens secondary, and that's where they got really shocked. The Ravens were out with were out with two huge defensive players on their secondary. And honestly, I thought that Cincinnati was going to smoke at one point, the Ravens. I really did. I thought they were going to be able to expose that secondary. But they have a lot of depth, a lot of young guys up in that secondary for the Ravens. And that, I think, shocked Joe Burrow. They weren't ready for it. They didn't have the right game plan. And at the end of the day, the Lamar Jackson show was on full display. And Lamar Jackson and the Ravens win it 27-24. to 24. It's a divisional game. You can't win them all. Right now, they're 0-2, but I'm not panicking if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals. So you still view them as a Super Bowl contender? 
Hundred percent, you can. You, I mean, like it's Joe Burrow and company. This team is not going anywhere. They don't have massive injuries other than potentially that calf. But I mean, it's a calf mm-hmm. injury. I'm hoping that the the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, training staff can can manage that throughout the season. And like I said, get Joe Mixon more involved. Balance this football team. They have a good defense. They'll be just fine. And they got a great, great matchup this weekend. Monday Night Football, they'll be hosting the Los Angeles Rams, a rematch of a Super Bowl from a couple seasons ago. That'll be a good one. Rams at Bengals. I know I'm definitely going to be sitting on the couch with my clicker watching that game. All right, Dom, there's a bunch of games we didn't uh, still didn't go through. Let's, uh, let's jump into another one. I was really impressed with the Arizona Cardinals this week. Who would have thought they almost won this football game? The Giants, however, take it 31 to 28. But I have to single out Joshua Dobbs. This guy had his best football game ever as a QB. And for some odd reason, I don't think it's a fluke. I think Arizona is this funny team that people are sleeping on. I talked about him a bit in the preseason. Not too much because we all know that this is obviously uh, a quarterback-driven league. And Joshua Dobbs is not a superstar whatsoever. He came in very late in the offseason. But you know what? He is playing kind of like Geno Smith was playing last year. Guys that just, you know, are given an opportunity. That's all they ask for. But unfortunately for Arizona, they're 0-2. And their offense is completely driven by James Conner going for uh, 23 carries for 106 yards. But you know what? It's a football team that's playing together. And they were really competitive last week as well. They almost shocked the Giants. The Giants have a huge problem at the O-line right now. Of course, they had a few injuries before the game started and whatnot. But the Giants have a problem at the O-line. You can literally blitz them and get to Daniel Jones. And now I think he realizes, Daniel Jones, that he's going to have to start really scrambling and just airing it out. And that's going to be the way that the Giants are going to win their football games this year. If you have any fantasy football players for the Giants, specifically at the wide receiver position, I expect the Giants to be airing it out a lot this year. I mean, Saquon Barkley was the heart and soul of this football team, but unfortunately him going down, we don't know how long it's going to be for. I think they're going to be fine because Brian Dable has a way to scheme a huge air attack. And I think that's where we're going to see from Daniel Jones. I think he found back his confidence. I think he had to get back his mojo. He got it back in this game by having a huge comeback to beat those Cardinals. But again, I want to congratulate Joshua Dobbs. I think what we saw this week is not a fluke. I think he's a competitor. And Arizona, you know, don't bet on them too much or against them throughout the entire season because I do believe they're going to cover a lot of spreads and they're going to be competitive. And as for the Giants, boy, without Saquon Barkley, it will be a bit different. But Daniel Jones, if you are going to play the position, just play shotgun and start throwing the ball specifically out of the bootleg you're going to find Jalen Hyatt more often than none. Yeah, White, I love White, and I'm glad he had his, uh, you know, uh, debut game. You can say two catches, 89 yards in this one. Both, you know, uh, very good at tracking the ball and getting over the top there. And, yeah, this Giants team pulls away victory after being down by 21 points in the second half. Big stuff there by the New York Giants. A crazy comeback. And, yeah, unfortunately for Saquon, looks like he's going to miss three weeks. He looks like he avoided a serious injury, thank God, but he should, should be out a minimum of what three weeks is what the early reports are saying. So, folks, let's jump into it. Our week three picks. We got the Giants and the 49ers happening tonight. Kickoff in just over eight hours. 49ers are home in this one, Dominic, and they favored by 10 against the Barkley-less New York Giants. Listen, I just talked about how banged up the Giants' offensive line is. But you know what? The spread is just too high for my liking. I have a feeling the Giants might even win this football game, but they just lose by six in overtime give me san francisco 36 to 30. wow tight game i wish i was as overly optimistic for the giants i'm unfortunately i'm not i think it's going to be tough to score points against this defense especially without barkley uh brock purdy does this thing he hits debo samuel he finally gets kittle going kittle gets me two touchdowns for my fantasy league and the 49ers win this one 31 to 13. All right, next up, we got the Los Angeles Chargers at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings favored by one. Oh, man, this is going to be a good game. This is a toss-up. Give me the Chargers to get their first one of the season. They're too good of a team to start 0-3. That's all the analysis I'm doing for this one. Eckler may not be back in this one. Herbert finds a way to get his team on track. He does put up a 
bunch of points that he does every week. So do the Vikings, but they just score a little bit less. I'm going to go a very close one, 30-28. The Chargers just, just beat the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, the Vikings lost their left tackle. I just don't know how they're going to be able to protect Cousins against Mac. So I'm just going straight up with that analysis. Give me the Chargers very convincingly, 35-15. to 15. All right, new, we got the uh, Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland favored by three, Dom, and obviously no Nick Chubb. Now, this is going to be an emotional game for the Cleveland Browns, and this yeah. is basically an overtime game. Whoever kind of kicks the field goal at the end wins it. But you know what? I got to go with the Titans. I think that they will pull out another overtime victory. Give me the Titans 23-20. to 20. I'm with you on this one too, Dominic. I'm going to go with the Titans 23-17. to I think, you know, Nick Chubb is obviously, I don't think, I know he's a huge loss for this team. I was very impressed, though, with uh, Jerome Ford and how he played for the Browns and had an incredible run uh, in that Monday night football game. But I just don't think this offense will be able to score enough points to compete with Tanhill, D-Hop, who hopefully gets going, and Derrick Henry. So, yeah, Titans win this one by six. Next up, divisional matchup. we got the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars feared by nine and a half. I was very unimpressed with this Jaguars offense this week, but I think they get back on track in this one. I think they win, but I don't think they cover the spread. I'm going to go Jacksonville 27-20 to in this one, and they beat the division rivals in the Houston Texans. Yeah, this spread just does not make any sense for me. Nine and a half, a divisional yeah. game. I guess you're going to be right, William. I guess we're going to see Calvin Ridley really go off in this game. It's hard, though. He's got a, some tough competition with Stingley, but he'll get the best of him. Give me Jacksonville 24 to 10. All right, another divisional matchup. New England Patriots at the New York Jets. New England looking for their first victory of the season. They are two and a half point favorites. Do they get it? I say they do. And I say this game will go to overtime. Give me a bit of an ugly, sluggish game. I'm going to go 20 to 17. The Pats win in overtime in this one. I think they sack uh, Zach Wilson at least four times in this game. Belichick finds the recipe to finally get this team on the board. And the Patriots do get that victory. And they barely, barely cover the spread. And they win by three. I'm going to disagree here, William. I okay. think that the Jets, you know, Zach Wilson will eventually win one. I just absolutely despise what's going on in New England. They have yeah. no identity. And I blame Bill Belichick for really screwing up this entire quarterback situation from the get-go in preseason. It comes and bites them specifically in this one. The Jets defense takes the game in a hard-fought game. Jets take it 23-17. to yeah, I like the upset. Anytime the Patriots lose, I'm a happy camper. You best believe it. All right, next up, New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. Packers favored by two. I picked the Packers last week. It didn't pay off, but I'm going to pick them again this week. And I think that this will be a, another kind of closest game, maybe similar to the Patriots-Jets game, kind of, you know, a slow, a lot of running in this game. But I do think ultimately the Packers are the better team, and they do find a way to, to, to come away with the victory this one. Jordan Love goes, gets a touchdown late in the game, ices the game, and they win 24. Four to 18 over the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, this spread is kind of bizarre, William. Just yeah. favored by two. The Packers should be favored by a lot more. Both offensive line are kind of dinged up. I'm going to call an upset here. I'm going to okay. take the Saints here. I think the defense gets to Jordan Love, and that's going to be the difference maker. I think Jordan Love has a stinker, and people are going to ask questions what's going on in Green Bay, but it's only going to be only a one off. Give me the Saints in this game 17 to 14. All right, low-scoring game. I like it. Next up, we got the Broncos at the Dolphins. Dolphins 2-0. Broncos still looking for the first game of the season. Miami favored by 6.5. This is going to be an entertaining football game. Miami's offense, that tempo, is really something to watch in this game. They didn't have it too much against the Patriots, but they will in Miami. High-scoring game. Miami takes it 42-35. to Wow, I like it. Well, shout out to my boy Terry Babalis. Uh, I'm actually going to be at this game, the Dolphins home opener. We're going to uh, treat him to a trip to Miami for his bachelor party. He's getting married in just over a month. So I'm super excited. Dolphins home opener. I'll be there. Dolphins better find a way to win this game. And I honestly do think they will. I'm going to go final score 30 to 20. And the Miami Dolphins improve to 3 0, while the Broncos fall to 0 3. Next up, Buffalo Bills at the Washington Commanders. Bills favored by 6.5 in this one. This was the Buffalo Bills team that we saw. 
the Bills team that everybody loves or everybody loves to hate, <laughs> depending if you're a Bills fan or not. They came, they clicked, and they ran away with it against the Raiders. And I think it's going to be a similar story here. They win this game, and Josh Allen does look good, and they're able to uh, squeak by the Commanders for 2-0, people. Don't forget, Commanders are 2-0, but I think that the Buffalo Bills will be just too much for them to handle. I'm going to go final score 33-21 in this game for the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to agree with you, William. I think that this is going to be a very entertaining football game. But I think the Bills did something right last week. You know, they started to run the football a lot more. We got James Cook having a great game last week. So I think that that balance attack, if they do the same thing, which I think they will, they'll win this game by seven. Give me the Buffalo Bills 28 to 21. All right, next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Detroit Lions, our last uh, or second to last slot of the one o'clock games. Lions favored by three at home. Oh, am I going to do it? I'm going to do it. Give me the Lions. The Lions, come on, they got to do it. They're favored. I know they're one and one. I know the Falcons are two and no. The Lions are better than the Falcons, folks. It's really as simple as that. The Lions find a way to win this game. Please do it, Detroit, for your fans. 27 23. Uh, we got a late touchdown. I'm going to go by Gibbs in this one, runs it in for a touchdown. And yes, the Lions do cover and win by four. Now, this is an overtime game, and it's also going to be a high scoring football game. I'm going to say the Lions take the victory 33-30 to 30 in overtime. Oh, wow. I think Jared Goff puts a really nice game together offensively, and he takes it in overtime. Okay, next up we got the Indianapolis Colts at the Baltimore Ravens. I almost said the Baltimore Colts, the good old team. The uh, Ravens favored by eight in this one, Dominic. Now, Ravens are going to be very hard to beat. I mean, the Colts already have a banged-up quarterback. I'm just taking the Ravens straight up here. I think they get... To Anthony Richardson, give me the Ravens, 37 to 13. I don't know why, but I feel this could be a tracking for the Ravens. I do think that they're going to come away with the victory. I just think that because of what you said, I feel like they we may be writing off the Colts too soon. The Colts do have a solid defense, and Minshew did look good. So regardless of who plays, both quarterbacks look good for the Colts. Minshew looked good. Richardson looked good with two rushing touchdowns. I think the Ravens win this game, but I really do think it's going to be enabled. I'm going to go 27-26 in this game. Final score, the Ravens improve 2-3-0. and oh. All right, next up, our 4 o'clock games, Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks favored by six. Give me Seattle all the way in this one. I'm going to go final score 32 to 14. Unfortunately, I just think that the game is too fast right now for Bryce Young. And I think Seattle's defense gets two defensive scores. And Geno Smith doesn't have to do all that much in this game. And yes, the Seahawks win for the second straight week. I think uh, the Panthers defense is going to have a pretty darn decent game. Enough to bring this game in overtime. But I think it's a push here. I think Seattle will win in overtime 27 to 21 and Geno Smith has another touchdown to Tyler Lockett. Oof, good stuff there, Dom. Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals. Cowboys favored by 12 in this one. Some people have called the Dallas Cowboys the best team in football. That uh, may be a tad bit premature, but that defense does look like the best defense in the NFL. You talked about, uh, you know, Dobbs, and it's going to be tough for him to get going in this one. I think the Cowboys win, but I don't think that they cover. 12 points is just a lot, especially on the road. I think that, you know, the Cowboys do look good and they're able to win this game. I'm going to go final score 29 to 20. Uh, Dallas wins and they improve to 3 0. I agree with you, William. I think Mika Parsons right now, I don't know who could stop him. He's actually the best yeah. defensive player, in my opinion, right now in football. Cowboys are going to have to take this convincingly. I'm going to take him. They're going to cover the spread 28 to 10. All right, good stuff. Next up, we got the Chicago Bears at the Kansas City Chiefs. This game is in Arrowhead, Dom. We got the Chiefs favored by 12 and a half. Yeah, that spread is too high. The Chiefs have huge issues at the offensive line. I think the Bears, you know, they have to play better football, specific offensively. But you know what? It's going to be another weird low-scoring game. There's really a lot of problems in Kansas City, but they'll still win this football game 23-20. to yeah, the the Chiefs just haven't looked like the Kansas City Chiefs, and they, you know, there was an impressive play and game by their defense uh, this past weekend to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm with you, Dom. I think that the Chiefs win. I just don't think that they cover. I want to see more of this offense, more explosiveness. I'm gonna go 24 to 14 final score score for Kansas City. All right, Sunday night football. We got your Pittsburgh Steelers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders favored by two and a half in this one. Keeping the Steelers in the opposite. I think the Steelers defense comes into town. They the Las Vegas Raiders 
look like they're going to be uh, high. They, the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas this year. The lights may be a tad bit too bright for them. And Jimmy Garoppolo, especially, he looked poor last week. And I think that the Steelers' defense gives them a hard time. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers to come into town and beat the Raiders. Final score, 20-19 to Pittsburgh. Yeah, this is going to be another low-scoring game. It's very difficult for the Steelers to play against the Raiders. It's one of their long-standing rivals. I'm going to say it's an overtime game, and I'm going to agree with you, William. Somehow the Steelers win this one. They probably don't deserve it, but they'll take it 20-17. to 17. I like that Pittsburgh stuff. Next up, we got two Monday Night Football games this week. I did not realize that, but I like it. And both of them actually going to intertwine. One's at 7.15, the other at 8.15. Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eagles favored by five. Man, we didn't talk about much about this Bucs team. We got to uh, give Baker Mayfield some credit. And, you know, he's looked really good. And this team is 2-0. I think this one is going to go back and forth, back and forth. And I think it'll be decided by a late field goal by Philadelphia. And they're able to come away with the victory. I'm going to go 30 to 20. 27 Philadelphia in the battle of two 2-0 teams. Now, this is the toughest game to call for me all week. I think that you're absolutely right. Baker, you know, he's playing some good football. He's going to be at home. Can he do it? I'm going to say he gets his first loss. You got to give the Eagles a bit of credit. They're very depth. They have a lot of depth on that football team. So Jalen Hurts gets a couple of touchdowns. Give me the Eagles 27 to 13. Last but not least, like I talked about, we got a rematch of a few seasons ago. The Los Angeles Rams at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals at home favored by two. Can the Bengals get their first win of the season? Yes, they do. They beat the Rams in a similar game to what happened in the Super Bowl, but this time it goes in favor of them. I'm going to go final score 27-20. to 20. Jamar Chase finally gets going in this one. He has over 80 receiving yards and two TDs, and Will Power stops worrying about the Cincinnati Bengals just for one week as they go out and beat the Los Angeles Rams by seven. You know, I went for the Rams last week for a shocker. I'm doubling down. I'm <laughs> taking the Rams again this week. It will be really entertaining, high-scoring game. The Rams take it 33-30 to 30 in overtime. The Rams, you know, they've been in a lot of football games, but something tells me a lot of money is going to be placed on the Bengals. That's why I'm taking the Rams by three in overtime. Nice. I like it, Dom. All right, we got just under two minutes left. Um, let's talk quickly. What are you most looking forward to keeping an eye out for week three this upcoming week? You know, I, I talked about it a bit earlier, and I think you're going to say that I'm absolutely out of my rocker. You know, I'm just completely <laughs> loco. But Joshua Dobbs is actually having a great season, and I would have never thought that. You know, the Arizona Cardinals, everybody's picking this team to be dead last, picking first overall. I watched some of that game and I really liked what I saw. And to me, if I see the same thing happening this week against the best team or potentially the best defense in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys, I'm telling you, keep an eye on Joshua Dobbs. He might even win that football game and shock a lot of people. Wow, Dad, that's a good stuff there. I like you, and you did talk about Dobbs. He's actually the former Pittsburgh Steeler, right? So you you can say that uh, you uh, you've seen him play. I uh, I like the take there, Dom, against Tennessee. You never know what happens. I'm gonna go with a similar underdog here. I want to see what this Washington Commanders team is about. They're at home. They're playing the Buffalo Bills. Nobody is giving this Commanders team a shot in this one. They are six and a half point underdogs. Can you imagine, Dom, if Washington wins this game, and not only does that make the Buffalo Bills fall to one and two, and the sky is falling down? in Buffalo that I mean this Washington Commanders team with Sam Howell taking snaps under center will be 3-0 and would have beaten one of the best teams in the NFL I can see Washington do it I like this team you always know what I got to say about Terry McLaurin the most underrated player in the entire NFL Washington Commanders fans if you're listening to this one which I hope you are you guys have a shot this Sunday a one o'clock game I'm not sure what the weather is going to be like but I think that this crowd is going to be going absolutely bananas Washington can you do the impossible I think they can. I think we can see a few more upsets this week. They happen every week, so why not in week three? All right, folks, that is a wrap for this episode of the NFL Power Hour. Thank you for tuning in. Without you guys, there is no show. Dominic and I thank you very much, and we look forward to doing a show next week, same place, same time. You are listening to CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. Peace.